Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. After a long day on my bicycle, I feel refreshed, cleansed, purified. I feel that I have established contact with my environment and that I am at peace. On days like that, I'm permeated with a profound gratitude for my bicycle. What a wonderful tonic to be exposed to bright sunshine, drenching rain, choking dust, dripping fog, rigid air, punishing winds. I will never forget the day I climbed the Pew Mary. There were two of us on that fine day in May. We started in the sunshine, stripped to the waist. Halfway, clouds enveloped us and the temperature tumbled. Gradually it got colder and wetter, but we did not notice it. In fact, it heightened our pleasure. We did not bother to put on our jackets or our capes, and we arrived at the little hotel at the top with rivets of rain and sweat running down our sides. I tingled from top to bottom. This blustery, cold and sometimes sleep-driven Monday morning here in Melbourne. You're tuned to the Yarrabug Radio Show. Show about bikes. Riding them, fixing them, loving them. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now! What a theatre American politics has become. How can you take your eyes off it? Well, get off the bike and we're going to talk about some punishing rides through Australia's high country today. That lovely quote was, of course, from Valiccio, 1911. So the spirit of riding a bike hard hasn't changed much at all. Faith, good morning. Good morning, Val. I was um, listening to that quote and I was thinking, I wonder if uh, the indie pack riders feel the same way after a long day on my bicycle. Tingling from top to bottom. <laughs> Tingling from top to Frozen bottom. From, from the edge of my big toe to the tips of my ears. <laughs> We will be talking about a couple of long-distance, self-supported and individual bike riding. 
And first up, Val, we better have your bike moment. Oh, of course, you're talking about cold and freezing <laughs> conditions. My ride home from uh, work on Saturday, people might remember it. What It did turn a little bit nasty on Saturday afternoon. I'm halfway home, waiting at the red light to cross uh, Hoddle Street, and there's a woman pulls up beside me on a bike fully covered with mud guards, everything. She's got rain pants on, nice rain jacket on, and a pair of thongs. And I think she was getting cold. We, we, we had a little discussion. I said to her, at least one thing you know is good, you're riding home to a hot shower. She said, that's all I'm thinking about at the moment. <laughs> Faith, you've got something to share with us? Oh, um, well, it's, uh, I'm sharing by proxy, I suppose. It's my, my son had his heart set on a, a vintage road bike and... Uh, Thanks to Val and Second Chance Cycles, we were able to uh, fulfil that dream for him. But it, he's uh, been riding bikes with disc brakes for a couple of years, so it was uh, after his first ride on it, we got home, and uh, when he realised that uh, along with uh, owning the vintage road bike comes the um, learning the, the brake adjustments. <laughs> so he's uh, on a learning curve as we speak. <laughs> You get warmed twice, once by riding it, the other one by <laughs> pulling it apart and fixing it. Yeah. Oh, good on him. Yep. Uh, lovely. Um, well, there's a bit of news happening. we better slide into a little bit of it. Um, the classic races in Europe um, um, keep um, happening one after the other. Michael Valgreen has won the Amstel Gold Race, um, which was a good race to watch, actually. He... Um, one of those uh, <clears throat> races where you know that somebody like Michael hasn't got a chance if he waits for a group sprint. And I think, um, what were we watching last week? Um, um, oh, my brain dead at the moment. <laughs> um, but a very good, tactically cunning race. Yeah, yep. well done. And uh, locally, I guess one thing that won't surprise people who ride much here is some new Australian research published in the Accident Analysis and Prevention uh, Journal last month found that uh, 16% of all drivers drove dangerously close to cyclists um, and that number rose to 34% of drivers on curved roads and those without bike paths. It's um, obviously, there was an article in The Age uh, on the week over the weekend about this and you know, obviously something that um, cyclist experience tells them happens that it, and also that it's more likely to happen on certain roads. Um, some states in Australia have legislation around driving too close to cyclists, but uh, it's been a mixed bag. I mean, in New South Wales, only 70 New South Wales motorists have been fined in the two years since those rules were introduced. Um, so, you know, it's, um, it's obviously a, a problem. The research confirms the fact that it's there and uh, the um, fact that especially on higher speed roads and where there's curves and bends and Mm. uh, no shoulders or bike lanes. I was going to make uh, my bike moment this morning. I'm already in a single lane roundabout when the four-wheel drive behind me decides to come through (laughs) with me. This is the second time in three days. Um, I would say she got within six inches of actually clipping my front wheel as she turned the corner anyway. 
that's it's one of the most misunderstood rules in Victoria. Actually, single lane roundabouts. If there's a bike there, you give way to them. Well, and one of the reasons that you know. Vic Roads and Victoria Police over and over again and Bicycle Network say to riders, you have to learn to take the lane. Yep. Because uh, that is They'll the... They'll take it off you. That's the way to... Uh... And speaking about Vic Roads, now there's a um, push. Not much detail has come from Vic Roads about trying to calm the traffic on Q Boulevard. So we'll watch that space and see um, what happens to the Q Boulevard. But apparently Vic Roads have got a couple of um, traffic calming ideas that they want to put in through. Yeah. And pursuant of our chat about bicycle lanes next to major road infrastructure projects, like the upfield bike path, everybody would be happy to know that the Mordialic Freeway is going ahead and it certainly will have a bike lane along the other side. (laughs) What's good for one goose is no good for the other gander, obviously. (laughs) And a little bit of short nose. I don't know how <clears> this is going to go, but of Uber apparently trying to get into the dockless bike hire scheme with electric bikes, I think, from the bit I read. But that'll be interesting to see what happens. All strength to them. Um, we might just touch on the uh, Indian Pacific wheel ride. I know uh, Chris has um, been following this quite a lot with her shows um, alternating with ours and we've mentioned it a few times the Indian Pacific wheel race was cancelled this year but um, over 50 riders decided to ride the route anyway um, having made the investment in time and everything to uh, plan for it and it's almost uh, it's in its last days the um, last few I'm going to put the last few riders are coming through to Sydney now. At the moment, I had a quick check this morning. So we've got Henry Yates um, coming up over the Cabramara climb today and hopefully the weather holds out for him. We've got Josh Burt who's heading up towards Omeo um, and he's going to be stopping in Canberra for a visit. Uh, so won't be getting to Sydney for a little while yet. But Justin McLean, the 17-year-old rider, and Brad Ewing are both due at the Sydney Opera House today. Um, So it's been an awesome effort. I think all the dot watchers uh, who've been following the riders have really enjoyed this year's experience. And it's had a very different... It's been a very different experience because it hasn't been a race, because it's been much more of that sort of personal challenge. Um, And dot watchers have been free to help. So it's taken on quite a different tenor to previous years. And um, we're going to have a chat now after Dinsat to uh, Hugh Velicott from Commuter Cycles who took part last year in another long-distance cycling event in Australia, the Hunt 1000. And the Hunt 1000 has always been officially not a race. Um, more of that uh, personal challenge, although there's always some people who like to race it. So Hugh's going to talk about tips for beginners who want to take part or are thinking of taking part in it um, and his experience doing it last year as soon as we come back from this message.
and uh, while we uh, maybe we'll go straight to Hugh. <laughs> we'll uh, get Hugh on the phone, and uh, I'll just uh, the Hunt One Thousand came up um, a couple of years ago from uh, Hunt through Hunt Bikes. It was their idea. Uh, I think it's been run two times in the past. This might be the third year. Um, and uh, Hugh could fill us in. Maybe, uh, are you there, Hugh? I am, thanks. <laughs> and hello, Val. G'day, Hugh. Sorry about that little... Uh, I've always got to have one malfunction on the desk to yeah. make a show proper. No, <laughs> <I'll> sorry. <laughs> so, Hugh, um, maybe for our listeners, start off with how you heard about the Hunt 1000 and what inspired you to write it. Okay. Um, I, I heard about it through friends who, uh, a number of whom did it the first year. So it, it was run first in uh, 2016, and, and I knew a number of people who went on that inaugural uh, ride, and, and they came back with, with glowing reports uh, and, and, and literally said, you know, you must, must do it. So, um, uh, yeah, sort of word of mouth and, and, and close friends who'd, who'd had the pleasure of doing it on the first year. And it's a thousand kilometres, unsupported and on dirt across the top of Australia from Canberra to Melbourne. That, that's right. So it, it, it loosely follows the Great Dividing Range from Canberra to Melbourne, sort of halfway between the coast and the Hume. Um, it, it, it very deliberately goes over as many peaks and, and hills as is possible. So um, incredibly spectacular countryside, uh, very, very remote and um, a lot of climbing. That, that I think that the, the technical aspect of the riding and the climbing and, and the scenery are the three sort of defining characteristics for me. And Hugh, so you've had two years of watching other people, well, one year of watching other people do it and then decided yourself to have a go. How did that turn out for you? Um, but very well, I guess. I, I've, been, I've been watching from the sidelines for, for a lot longer than that, but, but looking at, at much larger, more daunting and, for, for myself, uh, uh, not achievable trips. So um, I know a lot of people have done the Tour Divide in the States, so 4,500 Ks and, and many weeks and a lot of expense and, and things. So the the thing that pushed me over the line was that this was an event that was just within my grasp. Um, it was it was one week, which, you know, time is, is not easy for, for me. I've got a, a small business and, and two small children. Um, so it was it was within my grasp from a time perspective. Um, being only involving one flight to Canberra, it, it's relatively inexpensive. Um, and I, with, with a lot of preparation or as much preparation as I could do, it, at, a, at a thousand kilometres, it was just within my sort of physical grasp. It, it, it very much pushed me to um, to extremes that I'd never been before. But but it, it it wasn't something that I sort of considered that was impossible. Whereas the other events that I've been watching for the time being are, are not within my range. So this is really 
something that, relatively speaking, looks accessible, especially for someone in Australia. And as you said, you don't have to make that massive investment in terms of time and money getting to the States. When you said it takes a week, I mean, does it take a week for everyone? I I, I seem to recall you were one of the first back. Um, so, so I mean, I guess I, I, at the same time as I, I'm really wanting to encourage people to consider it. Um, I think it's it's really important to be realistic about how how difficult and how challenging it is. So, I think I think the first thing that's really important um, to, to consider is that many people try and, and don't finish it, and they're accomplished writers and experienced. It, it is a very challenging event that lots of people attempt and, and, and pull out at one point or another, whether that's for mechanical reasons or whether that's overuse injuries or, or things like that. So it's it's not a done deal that, that everyone who sort of aspires to do it and, and, and prepares turns up and, and, and does it. It, it. It's at a sort of level of difficulty that, that many people try and, and don't, don't finish. Um, and for, for someone in my sort of I guess fitness and, and physical ability, which I, I'd describe myself as a sort of relatively fit, able, you know, person in their late thirties. Um, it it it's very challenging. Um, so I, I think um, the other thing that that people need to be mindful of in terms of, of, of looking at it realistically is I consider it very much a mountain biking event, and and having a good deal. Of experience riding mountain bikes, not necessarily bike packing, which which is relatively new to me. But I've been riding mountain bikes for, for a number of decades, and having that technical confidence of riding tech, tricky terrain at, at speed, because as, as much as you're going up all the time, and that's very difficult and slow, it's a sawtooth profile. So you, there are a lot of descents and and short technical descents that. Um, if you're not comfortable riding a mountain bike, and particularly one laden, you know you'd either be very slow or putting yourself in danger. But um, yeah, so seven days I would consider the absolute minimum for for anyone who isn't a a superhuman. Um, but one thing that Dan, who who created the route and the event, has been really encouraging, and a lot of people do, is they start early, and so they anticipate that they might take let's say ten days. So they mm-hmm. start three days early. And the, and the intent is that everyone finishes yeah. around the same time and, and then has an opportunity to get together in Melbourne, um, which is one thing that really sort of um, has created a, a really sort of collegiate um, atmosphere around the event, which, which for me was one of the, the highlights. Hugh, can we... Um, this is a um, right across some of the most scenic parts of Australia, the Snowy Mountains... Um, the Alpine region. So the, what are your favourite bits along there? Can you remember or did you look at any of the uh, scenery last time? Could you see the yeah. scenery through the sweat and tears of frustration? Yeah, look, that's, it's a good question. As much as it was really, really challenging and, and much of your mind is focused on, on, on physically getting it done, um, combination of the... the the incredible nature of where you're riding and the fact that you're doing it relatively slowly means that I, I really did feel that I had an opportunity to, to absorb it and, and take it in. Um, and also riding during the day, there was very little 
um, night riding. So, so typical day was sort of 6am riding start to sort of dusk or, or just beyond. Um, the Jajungle fell um, just just south of Canberra for me was, was an area of Australia that I've never visited before and was completely blown away by. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's something, I mean, very special about the terrain, but it, it, it takes on an added dimension when it's only accessible on, on foot or by mm-hmm. bike. Um, you, you've got a very real sense of, of the sort of remoteness of where it is, and, and there's something that, that elevates the experience because you're experiencing it um, under your own steam and and a lot of river crossings and a lot of wonderful um, aspects. So the Jajungles certainly were were a highlight. And then um, and I'm not I'm not familiar with the the um, the area, so I, I struggle with some of the place names and what have you. But certainly just after Redbow, you go through an area that's sort of referred to as the Cascades, and and that was really remarkable remarkable um terrain so um yeah but but certainly i think if you had to pick one area that was most striking the jungle wilderness Uh, is 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 like nothing else i've experienced there's a bit of australian history tied to this i might i don't think it's purposely but the brindabella ranges brindabella station was the childhood home of miles franklin right and i think you're riding the tom grogan trail uh, there, I, I think we were on part of it, yes. So yes. the Tom Grogan station was where a bloke called Jack Riley um, lived, and he was the um, um, the um, inspiration for the man from Snowy River. Oh, wow. Because A.B. Patterson stayed up there for a while and heard the stories from that. Yeah. So there, it's quite interesting. You're riding through country where two of those things have shown up. Very yeah. iconic Australian landscape. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Apart from the wide, the wide unbroken plains, here we have, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, yeah. we have that part of our th- founding myths of being in the mountains. Mm. And, and, and one is reminded of that, not necessarily the specifics, but uh, we stayed in, in mountain refuges on a number of nights. Yeah. And there you had a real... Sense and, and you know, physical reminder of, of the history uh, of the place. Uh, many of them were set up by um, uh, cattlemen, cattlemen's yeah. huts for uh, the uh, yeah. yeah, summer grazing in the high country. Yeah, yeah, and and on two or three occasions, we we stayed in in the huts and and lit a fire, and you're surrounded by bits and bobs that have that have been there for a long time, and they're they're, they're very robustly constructed. Uh, all, all weather refuges, um, and they're still standing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think they provide mostly a refuge to the local vermin. But uh... <laughs> the um, oh. tell me, Hugh. I mean, I've read a couple of blogs about people have done them. Some people seem to swing in the the side of I'm not carrying anything at all and others seem to have some sort of idea of how much they're going to carry. Can you think back to last year and what you would change for this year? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I guess very, very little. I was I was somewhere between lightweight and, and kitchen sink. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had a scenario in my head that I was 
planning for, and that that was sort of a worst case scenario where I imagined that I was on my own, injured, as in uh, unable to ride, and and in the middle of a storm. And I sort of I packed such that I felt comfortable sort of weathering a storm for a couple of days whilst I was waiting to be to be you know rescued by other people. Um, so I, I had a tent, for instance, whereas many people um, use uh, bivvies, which um, if everything goes to plan, you know, are more than more than enough. Um, so I think the only thing I wouldn't take was I had a, a quite heavy um, flannelette shirt that, that I ended up only, only wearing on a couple of occasions. But isn't and that compulsory? <laughs> not that green one, for goodness sake. <laughs> so, so I think that's probably the only thing I would jettison. And, and, and I actually, it was funny, when, when people were talking about the first year, they said everyone got to Omeo and, and, and many people sent things back at that point. Yeah. So as I was riding into Omeo, I consciously at that point sort of halfway through thought, is there anything I haven't used and I, and I, and I now that I've experienced a couple of days, I can see that I will never use. And I actually, there, there wasn't anything. So the, the flannel is the only thing that wouldn't make the cut next day. <laughs> so, Hugh, um, you've got a slide night coming up. Yes. At uh, Commuter Cycles. Yep. So, so this Wednesday night, Faith, I'm uh, doing a presentation where I'll be showing a bunch of my photos, but really just talking about how I approached the event um, in terms of my preparation and then, and then how it transpired and, and, and I guess what I learned from that. And um, that's at 7 o'clock um, at Commuter Cycles. There's some details up on our website or there's a Facebook event. And, and I'm really hoping that in, in sharing my experience um, that other people potentially in a similar position who've been looking on from the sidelines and thinking, oh, gee, that, that, looks, that looks doable. Um, I'm hoping that through sharing my experience of, of, of going through that sort of thought process and then preparing and actually doing it, that I, that I might encourage a couple of people um, to, to give it a go who mightn't otherwise have. Hugh, when do... Um how, how long before the start of the event did they take the entries? Uh, well, so it, it's um, because it's a sort of almost a non-event in, 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 in yep. a sense. The, the the event is all it is is the the route which is published, uh, yep. and and then what they call sort of in bikepacking terms a grand depart, which is sort of anything but. But it's, it's essentially there's a point in time that Dan, who who started the event, says he advertises this is. The, the route, and this is when I'll be doing it. Uh-huh. This is when I'll be leaving. Um, so uh, you know, entries can be taken. I mean, there's, there's uh, up until the last minute, and indeed, you don't need to enter. Anyone can um, find the route. Yeah. Um, my understanding is at this point that it will be held. It'll start on a Saturday. It was a little bit touch and go for Dan to, to finish in the seven days. So he's. Um, making it start on the Saturday, as I understand it. Um, and I don't know if there'll be any route changes. But, but you, can, you can enter at the last minute, but I'm, I'm intentionally doing this info night a long way in advance because for, for anyone who isn't superhuman or incredibly experienced at these sorts of things, I feel it does require a, a, a long and relatively sort of steady and careful preparation. Um, when, so do you th- when do you think I should start trying? <laughs> Is well, tomorrow too soon? No, no, <laughs> no. 
I, but I, I would say that if it's six months out, you yeah. probably want to commit um, to, to doing it and, and start working towards it from six months out. And then, you know, you might get your ticket. I'd only book your ticket sort of six weeks out, having decided that, yep, I'm 100% ready and, and I'm going to give it a go. But I, I mean, there are some people who would be able to pull it out of a hat, but um, I'm uh, given, given the attrition rate, I, I don't think there's many people who could. So I think the best thing for anyone who's uh, thinking about uh, looking at the Hunt 1000 is to make sure you get along to commuter cycles. Will this be live on Facebook or anything, Hugh, for those who aren't local? Um, so it, it will be. I haven't worked out exactly how, um, uh, but it'll either be on Instagram Live, Facebook uh-huh. Live, and, and then I think I will try, if we've got the technical ability, to record it sort of at a higher quality and then we'll actually put it on YouTube okay. with with some accompanying notes and that way it's sort of searchable and people can find it later on. Yeah. But on the night I think we'll have it on, on Instagram live, which appears to be the, the, the one that people have a preference for. Okay. And in the meantime, if anyone would like to have a find some more information about the Hunt one thousand, they can do that at huntbikes.com. And definitely get along to commuter cycles on Wednesday night at seven. Seven o'clock, and just um, bring bring a snack and um, and something to drink if you'd like to. Uh, there's no charge for the event; it's completely free and, and no need to RSVP. Um, but um, yep, BYO nibbles. Okay, and thanks a lot, Hugh, for coming on the show to tell us about the Hunt One Thousand. My pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks. Okay. Bye. See you. And all, just quickly, we'll uh, cover a couple of events coming up. You might be thinking of something much shorter than the Hunt 1000 or the Indie Pack. Um, in that case, you should have a look at some neighbourly rides being run locally by Velo Cycles and We Cycle. I saw that These the are other day. short yeah. rides for newbie riders, and they're happening Saturday the 21st of April, also the 22nd, and then on some other weekends after that. They're uh, specifically for people who have just bought a bike or uh, getting it out of the shed, don't have much experience riding locally and just want a group of people to have a bit of an explore with so that they can get to know the area. And just a reminder that coming up also in a couple of weeks is the Handmade Bicycle Show from Friday the 27th of April until Sunday the 29th at the Meat Market in Melbourne. And there are tickets online at handmadebicycleshow.cc. You can buy them in advance or maybe there'll be some left at uh, the door. But well worth taking a look at for a weekend of uh, gorgeous bicycles. And that's definitely all we have time for today. Just a reminder that 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. And if you can make a contribution or subscribe to the station... That would help keep the Yarrabug radio show on air and we can and you'll be able to do that at 3cr.org.au. Coming up next is Jailbreak. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.